Welcome to Reading to Kids podcast. I'm your host, Jenna. And I'm your host, Peyton. And we're here to read to you or with you. We know that sometimes moms and dads don't always have the time or the motivation to read to their kids each night, and we know how important it is. So, on those nights that you're not in the mood, we're going to do it for you. Can't wait to read with you. Good job, Peyton. High five. A series of unfortunate events. Chapter 7. Chapter 7. The bad beginning. Because we're on book 1, which means the beginning. There are many types, there are many, many types of books in the world, which make good sense because there are many types of people and everybody wants to read something different. For instance, people who hate stories in which terrible things happen to small children should put this book down immediately. But one type of book that practically no one likes is to, no one likes to read a book about is the law. Books about the law are notorious for being very long, very dull, and very difficult to read. This one reason, uh, this is one reason that many lawyers make heaps of money. The money is an incentive. The word incentive here means an offered reward to persuade you to do something you don't want to do. To read a long, dull, and difficult book. The Baudelaire children had significant, had slightly different, oh my goodness, the Baudelaire children had a slightly different incentive for reading these books, of course. Their incentive was not a heap of money, but preventing Count Olaf from doing something horrible to them in order to get heaps of money. But even with this incentive, getting through the law books in Justice Strauss's private library was a very, very, very hard task. Goodness, said Justice Strauss when she came to the library and saw that they were all reading, what they were all reading. She had let them in the house, but immediately went into the backyard to do her gardening, leaving the Baudelaire orphans alone to her giant, glorious library. I thought you were interested in mechanical engineering, animals of North America, and teeth. Are you sure you don't want to read those enormous law, you want to read those enormous law books? Even I don't like reading them, and I work in law. Yes, Violet lied. I find them very interesting, Justice Strauss. So do I, said Klaus. Violet and I are considering a career in law, so we are fascinated by these books. Well, said Justice Strauss, Sunny can't possibly be interested. Maybe she'd like to come help with gardening. Why pie, Sunny shrieked, which meant I'd prefer to do gardening instead of sitting around with my siblings struggling through law books. Well, make sure that she doesn't eat any dirt, Klaus said, bringing Sunny over to the judge. Of course, said Justice Strauss. We wouldn't want her to be sick for the big performance. Violet and Klaus exchanged a look. Are you excited about the play? Violet asked hesitantly. Justice Strauss's face lit up. Oh, yes, she said. I've always wanted to perform on stage ever since I was a little girl. And now Count Olaf has given me the opportunity to live my lifelong dream. Aren't you thrilled to be part of the theater? I guess so, said Violet. Of course you are, said Justice Strauss. Stars in her eyes and sunny in her hands. She left the library and Klaus and Violet looked at each other and sighed. She's stage struck, Klaus said. She won't believe that Count Olaf is up to something no matter what. Well, she wouldn't help us anyways, Violet pointed out gloomily. She's a judge and she just wants to start babbling about in loco parentis like Mr. Poe. <clears throat> That's what we've got to find a legal reason to stop the performance, Klaus said firmly. Have you found anything in your book yet? 
Nothing helpful, Violet said, glancing at a piece of scrap paper on which she had been taking notes. Fifty years ago, there was a woman who left an enormous sum of money to her pet weasel and none of her three sons. The three sons tried to prove that the woman was insane so the money would go to them. What happened? asked Klaus. I think the weasel died, Violet said, but I'm not sure. I have to look up some of the words. I don't think she's going to help us either way, Klaus said. Maybe Count Olaf is trying to prove that we're insane so he gets the money, Violet said. But why would he be making us be in this marvelous marriage to prove that we're insane? asked Klaus. I don't know, Violet admitted. I'm stuck. Have you found anything? Around the time your weasel around the time of your weasel lady, Klaus said, flipping through the enormous book he'd been reading, a group of actors put together on a, sh- a production of Shakespeare called Macbeth, and none of them wore any clothing. Violet blushed. You mean they were all naked? On stage? Only briefly, Klaus said, smiling. The police came and shut down the production. I don't think it's very helpful either. It was just a pretty interesting thing to read about. Violet sighed. Ugh. Well, maybe Count Olaf isn't up to anything, she said. I'm not interested in performing in his play, but perhaps we're all worked up about nothing. Maybe Count Olaf really is just trying to welcome us into the family. How can you say that? Klaus cried. He struck me across the face. Yeah, but but there's no way to tell how we can get a hold of our fortune just by putting us in a play, Violet said. My eyes are tired from reading these books, said Klaus, and they are my eyes are tired for, of reading these books, Klaus, and they aren't helping us. I'm going to go get Justice Strauss to help in the garden. Oh, I'm going to go help Justice Strauss in the garden. Klaus watched his sister leave the library and wave and felt a wave of hopelessness wash over him. The day of performance was not far off, and he hadn't even figured out what Count Olaf was up to, let alone how to stop him. All his life, Klaus had believed that if if you read enough books, you could solve any problem. But now he wasn't so sure. You there, a voice came from the from the doorway, startled Klaus out of his thoughts. Count Olaf sent sent me to look for you. You are to return to the house immediately. Klaus turned and saw one of the members of Count Olaf's theater troupe and the one with hooks for hands standing in the doorway. What are you doing in this musty room anyway? He asked in his croak of a voice, walking over to where Klaus was sitting, narrowing his beady eyes in this little title of one of the books, Inheritance Law and Its Implications. He said sharply, what are you, why are you reading that? Why do you think I'm reading it, Klaus said. I'll tell you what I think. The man put his terrible, put one of his terrible hooks on Klaus's shoulder. I think you should be never allowed inside this library again, at least until Friday. We don't, we don't want to be getting, little boys be getting big ideas. Now, where's your sister and that hideous baby? In the garden, Klaus said, shrugging his hook off his shoulder. Why don't you go get them? Or why don't you go get them? The man leaned over until his face was just inches from Klaus's, just so the man's features flickered in a blur. Listen to me very carefully, little boy, he said, breathing that foul steam with every word. The only reason Count Olaf hasn't torn you limb from limb is that he hasn't gotten hold of your money. He allows you to live with him while he works out his plan. But ask yourself this, you little bookworm. What reason will he have to keep you alive if he has your money? What do you think will happen to you then? Klaus felt an icy chill go through him how this horrible man spoke. He never had been so terrified in his life. He found that his arms and legs were shaking uncontrollably as if he were having some sort of a fit. His mouth was was making strange sounds, like Sonny's always did, as he struggled to find something to say. Ah, Klaus heard himself choke. 
Ah! With each when the time comes, the hook-handed man said smoothly, ignoring Klaus's shoulder. I believe Count Olaf just might leave you to me. If I were you, I'd start acting a little nicer. The man stood up and put both of his hooks in front of Klaus's face, letting the light from the reading lamps reflect off of those wicked-looking devices. Now, if you'll excuse me, I have to fetch your poor orphan siblings. Klaus felt his body go limp as the hook-handed man left the room, and he wanted to sit there for a moment and catch his breath. But his mind wouldn't let him. This was his last moment in the library and perhaps his last opportunity to foil Count Olaf's plan. But what to do? Hearing the faint sounds of the hook-handed man talking to Justice Strauss in the garden, Klaus looked frantically around the library for something that could be helpful. Just then, he heard the man's footsteps heading back his way. Klaus spied one book and quickly grabbed it until he, he untucked his shirt and put the book inside, hastily retucking just retuck his shirt just as the hand, hook-handed man re-entered the library, escorting Violet and carrying Sun, Sunny, who was trying without success to bite the man's hooks. I'm ready to go, Klaus said quickly and walked out the door before the man could get a good look at him. He walked quickly ahead of her siblings, hoping that nobody noticed the book-shaped lump in his shirt. Maybe, just maybe, the book Klaus was smuggling could save their lives.